The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, I always make sure my insulin isn't in the checked-in bag because what I've been told is the temperature at which those bags are kept can sometimes be very, 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 very cold, which obviously isn't the best if you have insulin in your bag. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulin Podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. And we're back. Another episode, 111 episodes. I'm going to be more shocked every single week. (laughs) Every single week, voice is gone already. How is everybody? Welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining us, as always. And Graham, how are you? I'm good. I'd like to have a a number, a count on how many voice breaks you've had in the 111 episodes that would be uh, to an ultimate insulin podcast fan if you want to go back and uh, take note we will give you a prize of uh, a non-specific value a prize all the same there's definitely been more voice cracks than episodes 100 percent. oh definitely like definitely. i'd say on average over the 111 episodes there must have been three to five voice breaks mm. every episode. Yeah, we're looking on an average of about 350 to 400 voice breaks across the, across the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> if anybody That's wants to go back and count them yeah. specifically, we would love if you did that, just to see exactly. Just, just so we're all clear, if I have to uh, just take a phone call during this, I'm waiting on a, a phone call from a bed delivery company, Arnott's. Are the actual company you'll know it on being from Dublin, but uh, just if it, if it calls, I'll just turn my mic like that. See, I can do that. We're on loudspeaker. If if they call, will I? What mattress did you get? Uh, it's actually a bed frame. Oh, bed frame. Yeah. So I'm moving What's into a apartment. about this one? Um, Claire likes it. Okay. That's generally how we do things because um, <laughs> yeah. we're moving into an apartment together in three weeks. So Claire will go, do you like that? And I go, yeah, it's fine. And I go, do you? She goes, yeah, let's order it. And then I'll say, oh, I like this. And she'll go, oh, I don't like it. And I'll go, okay, are we ordering it? And she goes, no. And I've kind of got used to that. So I'm okay. I'm the painter decorator. I don't know if you've been following my Instagram on. I actually I've been have. Painting. Been riveting. I've been, 
I've been doing DIY. You can see my hand there. It's all I've got blisters because I've got soft office hands from just pressing buttons as a radio DJ and a producer. I'm not used to manual labor. So this is um, clearly you've been toughened up since you've been I honestly decorating constantly. And I have such a respect for painters now as well. So um, just wanted to put that out there. Did I see that in the last episode? I think you did. But it's I, funny, it reminds me because that sort of work, and I, I was only having a conversation with a client about this relatively recently, about how oftentimes when we're actually going to exercise, like if we're going for a walk or a run or the gym, we will be conscious of how is our blood sugar going to react. Whereas if we're doing something like painting or decorating, we don't necessarily consider that exercise. So we're less inclined to make an adjustment to our food or our insulin. And it always reminds me of, I used to always, always, always go low cleaning my car because just moving around and you're taking things out and sweeping things and cleaning things. There's a lot of moving around, but because I never considered that actual exercise, I never reduced insulin for my meal, for example, prior to it. So I'd, I'd always go low. So that just got me thinking, if you are a diabetic painter, decorator, be mindful of your insulin doses before a big job. I, I was literally thinking that because, <laughs> you know, I like to fit in a gym session in between my day. And because I've been doing so much work in the apartment, uh, I, I've still been fitting it in. But then I've been thinking, obviously, I'm not diabetic, but I was thinking about my calorie intake and the amount of uh, fat I've been burning. It's so much more now because I've been doing so much more manual exercise, well, labor slash exercise than usual. And it's such hard work. Mm. So I couldn't even imagine what it'd be like for a diabetic to have to have that extra layer of thought going over it when all you just want to do is paint a few walls and skirting boards. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. oh my God, am I going to go low here in the middle? This, if, if this isn't hard enough as it is, I have to consider my blood sugar levels as well. Yeah. And diabetes has a unique way of making almost everything that bit more complicated. <laughs> uh, love these episodes where you put up a simple question box on your Instagram. He is at Insulone. If you're not following Own, what are you doing? But I presume 99% of you already are. And you ask a question. And the reason I like this is because it's a little bit different to the emails where emails we like to get into detail. And we want to hear finite details about your life. But this one, they're short, they're snappy. And the answers are short and snappy as well. So we get through as many as we can. So let's start with a question from Amy who says, Owen, any advice for shift work and sugar levels? Finding it hard to change from days to nights. That is a fantastic question. Quite relevant to what we were just talking about too, in terms of that overall movement that might not necessarily be considered exercise. And I can only imagine, like I often think that the type of work that I do is it's kind of easy to manage my blood. Apart from if I'm going for walks or runs or or gyms and stuff like that, like I'm not actually doing that much movement throughout the day. So somebody who is on early or late shift work, that may mean that, you know, I would generally associate that with maybe hospital work or something could be completely wrong. But I would imagine that if it is that type of job, there's a lot of moving around and a lot of going from one place to the other. So it can be difficult. So, even just going back on what we were saying there about cleaning the car or paint and decorating, 
be mindful of the fact that movement that you're doing doesn't necessarily have to be considered exercise, but will still potentially have a significant impact on your blood sugar. But with that sort of change, what I always would look at, again, from my own perspective is when routines change and we're not as structured in terms of what we usually do day to day and our day can be more complicated or more unpredictable and therefore that can be reflected on our blood sugar. For me, the vast majority of the complication around that comes from the change around our food. What time we're eating, what we're eating, are we pre-bolusing, are we accurately carb counting? Because a lot of the time when we're out of that routine that we're typically used to, it's difficult to do those things around our food. So to relate it back to the question in terms of getting used to earlier late shift work, I would, from my own perspective, relate that to any time I'm out of a routine. And any time I'm out of a routine, let's say I'm traveling or going on holidays or whatever it might be, and I don't have the control around the food that I want to eat as much as I would like, I always like to stick to relatively low carb. Now, I'm not a big low carb advocate personally. I know it works for some people. Personally, I'm not big on low carb because I love eating a lot of food and I don't like to be too restrictive. But there's a time and place. So when I'm out of my routine and if I was to adjust from early to late shift work, the first thing I would be doing is looking at the food I'm eating. That's me personally. I'd be looking at how can I slightly adjust the food that I'm eating to simplify my management, i.e. simplify the food that I'm eating. And for me, if I'm traveling, if I'm on the go, if I'm moving a lot, trying to have simplicity around my carb count pre-bolus, carb intake, insulin intake, that comes with, for me, eating relatively low carb. I think that answers the question. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much for that one, Amy. Let's move on to the next one from Pat. And Pat says, anything you need to do before flying with diabetic supplies? Good question. What I've always done and what was recommended to me was to have a letter from your hospital. <clears throat> There's a voice crack. Number two. From your, from your hospital or from your GP or your doctor or whatever it is to show that you are living with type 1 diabetes. So obviously when you're going through airport security, your bags are checked. You can't have fluids and these kind of things, but obviously you need your insulin. So having a letter from your doctor is pretty essential. Just in case you get anybody who's not overly accommodating within airport security, which can happen from time to time. So I always have a letter from my hospital and or doctor. And I also, depending on how far I'm going, if I have to have a checked in bag, I always make sure my insulin isn't in the checked in bag because what I've been told is the temperature at which those bags are kept yeah. can sometimes be very, 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 very cold, right. which obviously isn't the best if you have insulin in your bag. So oh. always keep your insulin and your carry-on bag. 
so that it doesn't go too hot or too cold to a certain extent. Yeah, for me, it's a letter from the doctor and always having my insulin on my person, on my carry-on bag. And also, even if you are going away for a weekend and not a particularly long amount of time, always bring more than you think think you need because you never know what might happen. You might lose something. You might need more than you originally anticipated. Just always make sure you have more. Just always better to be safe than sorry with insulin. Did you ever have trouble in an airport getting it through security with a guard that, um, or a security officer that just didn't really understand what was happening in front of their eyes? To be honest, no. I've, okay. I've like, I don't think I've ever even been asked for my letter. I always just go up to, to, you know, where you put your bag on the conveyor belt thing. And I just say to whoever's there, just to let you know, there's insulin in that bag in case anything comes up in the x-ray. And I'd see the vast majority of the time and from my experience it could be different for anybody else traveling but it's almost like the impression I got from airport security that I've dealt with they've already always been really nice but they almost don't want to question any sort of medical condition you know so it's like I have insulin in the bag and they're like oh, okay okay don't worry about it you know so it's been fine but I've heard stories of people being questioned big time and searched and asking for letters and stuff. So it's always best to just be over-prepared with those sort of things. I am sure there's someone who's listening now who has some story about insulin and airports and traveling. I'm sure everyone here has gone through an airport that's listening. So please do let us know in email on the podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your stories about trying to fly insulin around the world if it didn't quite go to plan. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Uh, next up from Kelly. Have you ever interviewed your parents? I'm new, but a type one ma'am, and it's nice to hear from other parents. Yes, absolutely. So I have had my dad on this podcast. I'm yet to get my mother on. I think she's a bit apprehensive, but she listens every week. So mother, if you're listening, we're going to get you on at some stage because I know their experience with me may be very different to any other type of parent who has a child who's living with type 1 diabetes not that I was a child but I think even from my parents experience they would have a lot of value to offer because even though they didn't need to be so hands-on in terms of my management because I was old enough to take care of it myself I think maybe even the mental stresses or the the worry that comes with one of your children having a medical condition unexpectedly, I think their insight and experience and knowledge could offer some value. But Kelly, I hope everything is going well so far. It's obviously a massive life adjustment, not just for the child, but for the parents themselves. So I hope everything's going all right. I hope the podcast has helped up to this point. And I think Graham has just been looking at what episode my dad's interview was. So Graham, (laughs) if you want to let us know. Kelly, it is episode number 37, Diabetes Diagnosis, A Parent's Perspective with Owen's Dad. And shout out Tom, who I know listens every week as well. That is one of my favorite episodes uh, that we've done on the podcast. So it's definitely worth a listen if you haven't heard it yet, or even a listen back if you are. If you've heard it before and you are a type 1 parent, it's a fantastic listen. Let's move on to Peter. And Peter asks, best spots to inject insulin? 
What's your opinion on? Oh, good question. Mm, I don't want to give people advice in terms of where they should be injecting. But again, like everything in the podcast, from my own perspective, my favorite places to inject are all around my stomach, sometimes my arms, and my long lasting into my upper thighs. So I will do my fast acting injections, which is my Nova Rapid, primarily into my stomach around my belly button, around my sides. I use my whole core area as a canvas for, <laughs> for injections or a pin cushion. And then I use my upper thighs all around my thighs for my long-lasting insulin. It's very, very important that you rotate your injection sites because everybody listening, even including myself, we all have that kind of favorite spot to inject. And we almost instinctively go to that one spot because we like habitually have that favorite area that we go to. But it's really important that you consciously rotate where you inject, because if you're continuously injecting into the same spot, that can lead to you experiencing lumps around the area, which in turn can affect your insulin absorption in that area specifically. So if you're constantly injecting into the same spot, it can have an impact on whether or not that insulin is being absorbed as well as you want it to be, essentially. So rotate as much as you can. Personally, my favorite spots are my stomach, my core area, upper thighs, and sometimes arms, depending on convenience. (laughs) And we'll take another one from Nano, and they say, what do you take to correct your hypos when you're out? And how do you fit that into your macros? Now, can you explain to me what macros are? I think we all know what hypos... Oh, I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> COVID. you. Excuse me. Bless you, Graham. Bless you. Cold weather here in Ireland. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm sure we all know what hypos are. But what, can you explain macros to someone who yeah. doesn't understand? So macros is short for macronutrients, which is your protein, your fat, and your carbs. So... That's essentially the three macronutrients that make up your food, which in turn add up to your daily calorie intake. So the food that we eat is going to have proteins, carbs, fats, obviously fiber too. But that makes up essentially everything that we eat, which equals to the amount of calories that we eat per day. So this is a relevant question to, let's say, fat loss or fat gaining because if you are in a caloric surplus you will gain fat because that means you're eating more calories essentially than your body requires and if you're in a caloric deficit you will lose body fat because that means you're eating less calories than your body requires so basically you start using stored fat as energy that's where the fat loss comes from Now, to get back to the question, when I'm out, I will always, always, always have hypo treatment. Do not leave your house without having hypo treatment. I can't emphasize that enough. I always have a packet of glucose tablets because they're most convenient and they're easy to keep track of. Not everybody keeps track of them, but if you are somebody who's living with type 1 diabetes and 
let's say one of your goals is to lose body fat. How you treat your hypos still adds to the calories that you're eating that day. I know it can be very frustrating because we don't want it to, because it helps. It, again, going back to what I said earlier, it complicates things again. But if your primary goal is to lose body fat, you cannot ignore how you treat your hypos. Because let's say, for example, you're having two, three hypos a day. Hopefully you're not. But if you're having two or three hypos a day, even one, how you treat that hypo is going to add to your overall calorie intake. So let's say I'm having three hypos a day. I'd be worried if I was. So I hope nobody is. So if I'm having three hypos a day, I obviously have to treat those hypos with generally relatively high calorie foods to get my blood sugar back up. So if I'm eating, let's say, four or five glucose tablets every time I'm having a hypo, that could be easily another 250, 300 calories per day, which is a lot over the week. So that's why when you're living with type 1 diabetes, it can be very frustrating if your goal is to lose body fat. Because generally, if you want to lose body fat, you're going to incorporate some sort of exercise into your routine. And a lot of the time, that exercise could potentially lead to low blood sugars. Yeah. And then if you have low blood sugars, you need to treat those low blood sugars with more probably unwanted calories to get your blood sugar back up. But even though they're unwanted, it doesn't mean that they don't count to your overall caloric intake. So that's why anybody I work with, even myself, if the goal is to lose body fat over a certain period of time, you have to make sure your bloods are prioritized. Because if your bloods aren't prioritized, you're going to be seeing highs and you're going to be seeing lows. And if you're seeing too many lows, you're then going to be consuming additional unwanted calories, which makes it more difficult for you to lose that body fat. So it's a very long-winded answer. But to go, to go back to the question, I always have a packet of glucose tablets on me, at least one packet. And if I'm specifically tracking my calories for any goal I may have physically, I add that into my daily calorie intake. I usually just use my fitness pal, add them in manually there. I include them in the overall target. So let's say, for example, my, my calorie target's 2,000, just for the example's sake. If I eat perfectly that day and I'm 2,000 calories on the button, and I've hit my protein and I'm delighted with how the day has gone. And then just as I'm getting into bed, I have a hypo. The food that I use to treat that hypo now means that I've gone over my calorie target, which obviously isn't the end of the world. But if that's happening frequently, that means that I'm eating too many calories to lose the body fat that I want. So going back to the idea that Diabetes will complicate most things that you do, unfortunately. That's just the reality of it. But it just takes that bit more planning to avoid too many hypos so that you're not eating too many calories, well, too many unwanted hypo-treating calories too frequently. 
100%. We've got a lot of information there in a very short period of time and not to want to overload people. I think that's a nice episode, well-rounded, a lot of information, targeted questions. Thank you, Amy, Pat, Kelly, Peter and Nano for all of your questions on Instagram and make sure to follow Owen at Insulone. Keep an eye on his stories all the time when he puts up those question boxes. If any short question that pops into your head, pop them in there. If you've anything longer you would like us to answer, at the Insel Owen podcast at gmail.com. I like the way I said we answer as if I can answer any of these questions. I'm just here <laughs> to facilitate Owen. That is all my job uh, is merely to do. Owen, thank you very much. Fantastic answers as always. Absolutely. And for anybody who asked a question, thank you for getting involved. There were a lot more questions in those boxes that I got. We're keeping track of all those questions. We just want these episodes to be short and snappy. As Graham said, directed questions we don't want to do too much in one episode because we don't want to cover too many topics all in one go we want to spread it out so that it's easy to digest easy to take on easy to understand and ultimately easy to implement if that's what you need to do for your own diabetes management to better it as best you can but as always thank you for listening we know your time is a very valuable asset so it's an honor and a pleasure to share that time with you whatever you're doing right now we look forward to next week as always look after your blood sugar have a good day have a good week we'll chat to you soon Graham take it easy they still haven't rang me so my bed isn't getting delivered by tomorrow you'll be sleeping on the floor (laughs) good luck (laughs) take it easy